1: Everyone and welcome to episode three four seven, the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, May first, and I am joined as often by Scott Coleman, a man who's not felt well recently, but is now alive and kicking. I hope your voice is okay, Scott, because we need you on on this podcast.
2: I am I am here and off the IL, feeling much better. Thanks, Brad. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody out there is doing well. Uh, It looked like earlier this week the Braves might finally be getting out of their own way a little bit and then of course we know how the weekend games went but nonetheless a whole lot of things to chat about and always good to be on with you.
1: Yeah, we'll dive in as always. Uh, Scott playing hurt. I am quite literally fresh off of an airplane, like walked in the door, turned the microphone on. So uh, forgive us for any uh, transgressions on this podcast, but we'll do what we can as always. We like to deliver the content in a timely manner. And April is over. It is now officially May. And I'm not sure we're in the part of the season yet where the standings matter, but certainly there is some frustration, as you sort of alluded to a second ago. We'll come back to that. Uh, we should, though, at least start with the Uh, headline story of the week, and it's been a couple days now, but Ronald Acuna is back. He uh, did not play games with the Braves for 292 days. That's like, you know, nine-plus months. Uh, It's been a long time. He's now back. came back on Thursday morning after he was fantastic at Gwinnett. Um, It was obviously earlier than anticipated. They tried their best to downplay expectations for Acuna's return. They did a decent job with it for the most part, but uh, he definitely wanted to come back. I thought it was noteworthy even before they called him up that Wednesday night after his game in Gwinnett, he was uh, pretty clearly trying to say that he was ready to go. He told everybody that to the media a few times. And then uh, by 1 a.m. Thursday morning, the Braves were FaceTiming Ronald uh, and he was uh, being asked if he wanted to play the right field. And I guess he started screaming and celebrating. So he was ready to go. He's not quite himself yet, as we've seen. He's actually got kind of off to a slow start. But uh, he returned on Thursday, took Friday off. And then uh, all indications are, at least from sticker today, he's going to play on Monday. So, uh, I mean, obviously, we kind of know the deal here with Ronald Acuna being back and uh, that being a huge uh, boon for the team. But uh, are you fired up about this? Uh, It's Obviously, their best best, uh, team definitely includes Ronald Acuna.
2: Yeah, just so happy to have him back. And as as we have noted, and I think most folks, we even joke that he is like a cyborg, but he's going to take some time to adjust to big league pitching. And I think Jeff Francourt on the broadcast today talked about that a little bit. And Ronald struck out a few times these first couple of games, but like there, there's no replicating a big league atmosphere environment. Um, you can do all the the simulated games and pitching in front of 500 people and AAA that you want. Um, but it, it's just going to take a little time for him to get the rust off, but make no mistake about it. This team is so much better with Ronald out there. He's already made an impact. Even when he, He's the kind of player that even when he doesn't have a huge game, he still makes an impact on the game more times than not. Um, so to have him back is great. And as you said, it's a shame that Ronald isn't excited to be back. As evidence of a uh, 1 a.m. phone call where he was apparently playing some Call of Duty and the phone rang and, and now he's back in Atlanta. I'm sure he was after a week or so was more than feeling ready to be back in the majors.
1: Yeah, and obviously he has not been great so far, but no one should be worried about this. He needs to get plate appearances like you said, you can't replicate it, and I do wonder if they're gonna have him DH rather than sit now. Like I don't, I don't know if that will help him or not, just for rhythm, rhythm sake, to just see more plate appearances. I wonder if it's better off for him to be DHing rather than taking full days off. We'll see how they handle it this week coming up. Uh, there are no days off this week, and by the way, there's also a double header. I can't imagine he's going to play. Sorry, there is, there is a day off. I lied. There's a day off on Thursday, but there's four games before that. So I can't imagine him playing a double doubleheader on Tuesday. He'll probably play one of those games, but uh, he'll be in there. We'll see how much he plays, but certainly uh, the lift is, uh, it sort of speaks for itself. And one of the things that uh, is big about him coming back, um, even if they were full strength, it'd be big that he came back, but we talked about this a little bit last week, like they have had nothing from the outfield for most of the season at least on, on defense, but uh, early this week, Eddie Rosario had some bad news. Uh, he has had to have a laser procedure on, on his retina in his eye after he had some blurred vision that I guess might explain how bad he was for the first few weeks of the season, at least in part. I don't want to blame the entire thing on that. But if you can't see, uh, baseball is not a sport where you're going to be able to play very well if you can't see. So. Yeah,
0: that's uh, scary
2: stuff. Man. A hole is. in your retina. I had a scratched retina a while back, a couple of years, and it took like a good week and a half before i felt like i could see clearly i can only imagine what it's like having an actual hole in your eyeball
1: <laughs> yeah no thanks uh, hard yeah, pass on yeah. that uh, he'll be out apparently eight to 12 weeks kind of a wide timetable but certainly going to be out for a while here certainly into june if nothing else and uh, that is a loss um of course he was not playing well and there is the discussion to be had about like whether he was the guy to bring back but they brought him back um it was uh, too early to panic on that but you know obviously Ronnie coming back helps to plug that hole, but still some real decisions to make in the outfield day to day. There was a great piece written by Steven Tolbert front of the podcast on battery power about just how bad the outfield defense has been this year. We talked about it a lot, but certainly uh, that's worth reading because, you know, they were having to play some combination of Eddie Rosario, Marcelo Zuna. And by the way, Orlando Garcia is a terrible outfielder. Not that I was like terribly surprised because he's, he's an infielder by trade, but uh, he's, Quite bad in the outfield, it seems. So uh, between all three of those guys, and then Alex Dickerson, who they actually DFA'd and then brought back to AAA this week, they had four guys, all of whom were at least outfield options. that were all playing terribly on defense, and Ronnie will help that, but he's just only, he's only one man. Uh, Adam Duvall can only do so much. So uh, that's that's part of this as well. But you know, in theory, you're basically replacing Eddie Rosario with Ronald Acuna, and that's obviously an upgrade. But taking a step back the best version of the 2022 Braves almost certainly has both Ronald Acuna and Eddie Rosario, at least the full strength Eddie Rosario in the lineup. So that's a, it's a big loss. Obviously we're going to Travis Demerit later on in the podcast. he's actually had a really good couple of weeks for the Braves, but st- still uh, Eddie Rosario, they, they have to get him right. And uh, hopefully all of his downturn is explained by the lack of vision.
2: Yeah, let's hope. And I think it, it was just, more and more obvious a couple of games before it came out i think it was one of those at bats in la and eddie was i mean i'm not joking i think his bat never got within a foot of the baseball like it, it was just clear that he was not seeing the ball and i think that's um maybe overused in the big leagues how well you're seeing the ball uh you know when you're going well the baseball looks like the size of a beach ball whenever you're not it's the size of a pinball and you can't touch it um it was clear that eddie couldn't see anything and we knew going into the season that the outfield was really the one spot that we had some legitimate concern about both yep. defensively and the depth. I mean, Adam Duvall has been really quite good defensively in center field. We know that he is not hitting anything right now. Um, but as we, as we've noted, he's a 33 year old center fielder. Uh, there's not a lot of those, um, and you talk about losing Eddie. Now you're in a scenario of exactly that. You know that you can't play Acuna every single day, at least for a couple of weeks, maybe even a month or so. Um, Ozuna, I mean, he had just a putrid throw in left <laughs> field today. I mean, it's I'm so not joking, bad. Brad. Can't I, I honestly, <laughs> I mean, so you and I, if we had a couple of weeks to, to warm up the arms, we might've been able to make a better throw from left field than what Marcel's doing out there. Uh, he just I mean, he had the shoulder surgery a couple off seasons ago and it's clear he should be. So,
1: I mean, it's, it's fine. And the thing is, is, we yeah. all knew we knew this and so we at least we did. And Eric did. We talked about this. But like the version of this team that's the best is Marcel Azuna DH. Like, I mean, take everything else aside. Like his bad is good. Uh, he's going to hit the baseball. We kind of banked on that. But like he can't play the outfield. Like, he can't throw. No, and, no. and you factor in like just how bad. I mean, Eddie. I don't know how much I don't know how much of Rosario's stuff was eye because he had some bad jumps. Maybe that, maybe that was what it was. But they try to play that hole with Arcia, who isn't good on defense either. Uh, you know, it's kind of a it's it's been kind of a mess. Like it's not. It's kind of yeah. worth just emphasizing how bad it's been because it really yeah. has been defensively. Like that has been their biggest weakness by far. They've had some other weaknesses for sure, which we'll touch on. But uh, alpha defense has been like. Uh, a roller coaster ride, to be kind, which is yeah.
2: Think. Well, and they they have to find somebody to step up because, like, I I love Guillermo. I think you do too. But oh, yeah. Guillermo Heredia is great as like the team mascot, and I mean that with like the highest praise possible. Um, you you do not want Guillermo starting any kind of with frequency on a team that's trying to win.
1: Yeah, I, um, I think it, I think it's fine if he starts against left-handers. Like, I think he's he's proven enough to be like acceptable at the plate against lefties, but there just aren't that many lefties in the world to where like, I think he should play against left-handers just because you, you just bat him ninth and hope he can do a little bit of something with how bad everybody, everything else has been. But he's been a terrible hitter against right hand right-handed pitching his entire career. Like that's not yeah. going to be a huge surprise to anybody, but uh, we like, we like, we like Guillermo. And I will point out he <laughs> actually has been pretty solid against lefties in his career, but I agree with your point, though. Like, he shouldn't be someone you have to start regularly, and they're in a position now where, like, it would have been better in retrospect to have played Heredia every day this season so far because even if he didn't hit at all, he would at least field, and they have yeah. gotten so yeah. bad defense that actually would have been better. They, they couldn't have known that, but it really would have been. <laughs> a month now that we're in, if he played every day, they'd be, they'd be in better shape, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not over-exaggeration. It feels like literally every night there's some kind of defensive something in the outfield and some games it's ended up being uh, the difference. Some games it ultimately hasn't changed the outcome, but man, um, the outfield's in a little bit of rough shape right now. Again, Acuna no concerns about his slowish start. He's going to be fine. Um, Marcel, as we said at this point, he needs to DH every day, almost regardless of who else is out there. I think you just, as we just kind of talked about, you just eat uh, the lesser bat in the lineup for the, for the glove and just put Marcel as the DH Six times out of seven, I guess you have to squeeze in Ronald every now and then, so he isn't out there every single day in the field. Yeah, Um, but and then (laughs) and then you just kind of have to close your eyes and hope that Adam Duvall figures it out. Um, And then uh, we 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 kind of teased Travis Demerit a little bit, but you need a Travis Demerit or somebody else in the organization to step up because at least for the next two months, you have a, a pretty big hole out there with no Rosario.
1: Yeah, I don't think that Travis Demerit is going to slug 700 this season, but he has so far through like 30 plate appearances. And uh, let's just do this now. I, I think that because of, you know, they, they had to choose something to do um, when Ronnie came back and they chose to pull Dickerson, DFA him, and they've since brought him back and they decided to keep Demerit. And, you know, Demerit had an inside the park home run. He had a home run before that. He's slugging, like I said, 708 this year so far. And I think he's a guy that has some pedigree. Um, he is 27 now. It's been kind of a long and winding road. Um, in fact, uh, we're, we're old enough, Scott, and this podcast is old enough where we talked about him as a prospect quite a bit early in the podcast days on this show, getting back to Carlos, etc. But uh, he's come full circle. I I don't know what he's going to be. My my general um, viewpoint is like I, I tend to not believe this. But he has played well to this point, and he's a good athlete. He's at least a better defensive player than they've had so far in the outfield. Um, and like you said, they have to have something else. So giving him a little bit of run here does make some sense. And as long as he hits, it's fine. I just don't know if he's going to hit. I don't think anybody else knows either, but clearly we're all rooting for him. He's a, he's a local, local kid. He, I believe he's from Barrow County, which is like a, you know an hour, hour outside of Atlanta. So lo- local ties, all that stuff, it's, it's, it's been a good story so far. I hope it continues.
2: Yeah, I do, too. And I think everyone knows at this point with Travis's career, um, he is who he is. He he has a little bit of power. He has some real speed. I mean, like you just noted, he had the inside the Parker. He was flying around the park on Friday night. Yeah, he can run um, for sure. He, he's made some nice defensive plays as well. And as we as we have talked about and as Braves fans know very well, if you can catch the ball in the outfield right now, I think you have a legitimate claim to playing every single day. Um, He had a couple of nice catches during the homestand against the Cubs. Um, So, yeah, if if you had to ask me to pick someone between, uh, and this is just kind of hard to believe we're at this point this (laughs) early in the season, but it's like, do you want Travis DeMeritt, Guillermo Heredia, Orlando Arcia as your your outfielder? Uh, I mean, the short answer is none of those are great options, to be blunt. Um, But it's Travis DeMerit for me. And he may he may have already peaked offensively. He may not give a whole lot, Um, but I do think there is some, some real upside with him. He's never going to be a superstar. Like, I I don't think anyone's confusing that at this point, Uh, but he is a guy who had some talent coming up. He can do some things on the ball field and um, hopefully you get to a point where you can kind of hide him at eighth or ninth in the order. The issue is with half of the lineup not hitting right now, it feels like you're trying to hide half of the lineup and (laughs) that's obviously not going to be conducive to winning ball games.
1: No, you're right. And uh, yeah, as funny as that is, but those being the options they kind of were the options this week at times. And uh, I I don't think this is really what he is, but I think he's, probably a better hitter than arcia and he's definitely a better outfitter than arcia and then heredia is the guy that you know about like you know you know his glove is good but you don't know if he's going to hit it all probably won't hit it all so yeah he's kind of the best mixture of potential at the plate and also defense that's at least decent enough so uh, yeah i don't mind it, Ride it as long as as long as it's working out for you and it helped him this week but uh we will see on travis demerit that's for sure um I guess other than that on the transitions uh, sorry, Trey Jackson side as sort of the news side before we get into some game stuff. Uh, our pal Eric Cole broke the news originally this week that uh, the Braves were going to promote William Woods to, to the big leagues for his debut. He since has been set down actually today, but uh, shouts to Eric for breaking the news there. Eric scoops Cole strikes again. Um, Beyond that, the Braves had to trim the roster down before tomorrow, and I thought they might not do this until after we recorded, but they actually have now. Um, they had to go from 28 to 26 just to get in line with the uh, with the rules, and they decided to send down um, Muller and Woods. Uh, Muller, as we'll come back to later on, was not good today, uh, and it almost certainly had to be one, uh, two of those guys. Maybe Jackson Stevens would have been an option as well, but he actually pitched quite well today. Um, I thought they might burn him because he pitched, uh, what, three innings today? But they seem to like Jackson Stevens, so that was the small decision there. It'll be uh, sort of a recalibration if you've been watching this team every day for the last four weeks to kind of, like, remember that they're back to 26 guys now. Like, it's been a little bit easier to manage the roster with 28, and now it's back to real life at 26. So uh, we'll see how that sort of unfolds beginning tomorrow in, uh, in New York.
2: Well, and I think with, with Kyle Muller, as you noted, he was not sharp today. And no, like so many young guys, it's just a matter of throwing strikes for him. He has good stuff. Um, I I don't want to say he's in like the Kyle Wright tier. I feel like now that... Kyle Wright had his struggles with consistency early on, and now he has suddenly figured it out. <laughs> there was I, a lot of that
1: today, by the way, a lot of that on Twitter today. Like, well, what well, Kyle Wright figured it out. It's like, okay. That doesn't mean it doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's going to work, work for everybody.
2: Right. It, yeah. It's the old, uh, going back. It's well, John Smoltz had a 5.5 ERA his first season in the majors. It's like, yeah. And, and there's about, uh, you, you can't expect that every pitcher who comes up and struggles right away is going to turn into a hall of famer with, you know, 250 wins and 150 career saves. Um, with Muller, though, I, I think he just needs more time. Uh, continue to throw every five days in Gwinnett. Um, we'll see what the Braves do with the fifth spot in the rotation, which has been really bad. we, we talk about that a little bit later, but um, I, I think Muller needs time. And, yeah, with, with William Woods, um, he's going to be in the mix, as we know. Through The bullpen has a lot of coming and going over a full season. Um, he's very much going to be involved on the 40-man roster, but – um, as you said, Jackson Stevens pitched pretty well today. He ate three innings if he goes out there and just can't throw strikes. Um, I think that's something that, that clubs really value and they know that you kind of need someone to eat a couple innings, and he answered it today really nicely. Um, but it is, as you noted, going back to 26, and I think it's 13 pitchers is the maximum that you can have. Um, you won't be able to kind of carousel the, the rotation in the bullpen as much as they've done early on.
1: Yeah, and the timing is interesting, too, because they have a doubleheader looming on Tuesday, so they have to kind of plan for that. And uh, Mueller did not give them any length today, which certainly hurts them in terms of planning purposes the next few days. We'll touch on all that stuff as you sort of teased uh, professionally. Well well done, Scott, Um, about the rotation from the good stuff being freed and right to the bad stuff being basically everything else so far this year. And then we'll get into some of the lineup uh, struggles and then look ahead a little bit to this week coming up with the Mets, a big four-game series with the Mets. That's going to be a showdown series to to begin the week. Before we get to all that, though, we're from our sponsors on the
0: podcast today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity V-A-N-29.com.
1: All right, Scott, let us dive into some uh, sort of nuts and bolts baseball action from the last few days of action. You know, they finally won a series earlier this week, the first time and the only time still this year, the Braves actually won a series that they beat the Cubs two out of three. They won on Tuesday and they won on Thursday. And uh, it's sort of a good piece of synergy to sort of dive into the starting pitching conversation because on Tuesday, they won behind Max Fried. On Thursday, they won behind Kyle Wright, who's been really, really good all year long. Probably his worst start, and he was still really good on Thursday. Uh, he has a 1.13 ERA for the season. That is, seems pretty good to me. And then, of course, the game they lost was when Charlie Morton was quite bad on Wednesday. So it's, really, uh, it's not always that simple to sort of discuss this stuff. But those three guys, it's interesting uh, all the way through. I sort of made the joke today. On Twitter about how bad the rotation has been, Sands, Wright, and uh, Wright and Freed, and uh, I, I I sort of compared Kyle Wright to Sandy Koufax uh, on that <laughs> on that tweet, but uh, even yeah. with Wright uh, and Freed being awesome, the Braves starting pitchers have a 4.91 ERA that includes. Wright's one point something, and Freed been really good. That is number s- sorry, sixth worse in baseball. Uh, part of that is Morton. I want to start with the positive, though. Let's spend two seconds at least talking about how good Freed and Wright are because uh, everything else is pretty ugly after that.
2: Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. And I think we've seen you know, Max, his first two starts were not great. He had some just no. bad luck go against him. like That, that start against the Nationals, they, they scored a couple of runs in an inning where the ball didn't leave the infield. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, come on, give the guy a break. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing that for as much as the Braves are struggling, I don't think anyone had Kyle Wright as like a top three starter in the league. Well, so
1: over the, other than you, of course, but yes, nobody uh, else. Naturally, else
2: it was my third year of predicting <laughs> it. At some point, it has to go right, right? Um, but uh, Braves are 10 and 13. I know it's only been four starts, but man, like Kyle Wright has kind of saved it's hard to save a season. I don't want to go that far. But, man, he has kind of saved the team early on because I don't think anyone had Charlie Morton struggling the way he has early on. Um, Ian Anderson, it's not always pretty. He's, he's had a couple of good starts and a couple of not-so-good starts. And then, as we've talked, the fifth and even sixth spot in the rotation has been a black hole. Um, but, yeah, thank goodness for Max Freed and Kyle Wright because they are two of the only few things that have gone right with this team through the first month.
1: Yeah, Anderson um, is kind of in that middle where like he hasn't been mad enough to uh, create alarm, but he also hasn't been good. His ERA right now is 4.66. Um, peripherals are kind of a mixture. He's got up a lot of home runs and a lot of walks so far, but everything else is pretty good. His ball his rate's pretty pretty good, so we'll see on, uh, on Ian. I kind of feel the same as I've felt before on him, so we'll see. But uh, I guess we have to talk about Charlie Morton a little bit um, just because – you know, the concern with Morton, of course, is that he's he's old and he also has the injury that he came back from. Um, there was some safety there. He's kind of always been good. And uh, the I guess the one I saw him, I saw that signing referred to as risky today, which I found to be kind of silly. Like it's not really risky to sign Charlie Morton to a one year contract when he's been good his entire career, basically, since he found it as a veteran. But uh, the risk, if you want to say that, is that he was old and injured and through four stars, he has a 70 R.A. Um, his peripherals are not good at either. Um, he's got a lot of walks, not a lot of strikeouts. He's not missing bats. He had a pretty interesting quote that he gave kind of not, not sure if he was surprised or what he's not been missing bats, but he sort of at least acknowledged it. And the hard hit rate is not super high for him, but everything else is not looking great on the peripheral side. All of the stat cast metrics. If you like that kind of stuff, do not look very good right now. I still um, tend to think that he will figure it out because he's just figured it out for such a long time, but that is a concern when you're talking about a guy who's older than I am. And that's the baseline that I use as, as to whether you're old at this point in time is if you're older than I am, he's older than I am. And uh, that's not great. So, I mean, I guess the uh, million dollar or $20 million question, Scott is like, how worried are you about Charlie Morton? Like it's, it's too small of a sample size to actually like make, make decisions, but are you in full alarm mode now?
2: Not yet. I, I think it's four starts. He's a veteran guy. Um, the stuff is still good. It's not like he's seeing a drastic drop off in velocity or something like that. And you start to wonder if he's hurt or a dead arm after a lot of innings last year. No, uh, those things to me seem fine. Um, I, I'm not hitting the panic button yet, though. I mean, if he gets blown up again against the Mets this week, yeah, maybe you do. Maybe you start you can, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you put him on the IL for a week just to kind of. Uh, see if he can hit the reset button. Um, it, it, it's just so early. He's a veteran guy. He, I'm sure he has his spring training routine down, being around for 15 years now. And obviously it was a shortened spring. Um, coming off the the knee injury, maybe he's just a little behind schedule. But at this point now, we're, we're coming up on a, a month into the regular season. They had, what, three and a half, four weeks of spring training. Yeah. Um, so, no. I mean, am I, am I worried? No. I say with confidence that if Charlie Morton doesn't get things figured out, uh, the Braves are in some trouble, even with as good as Freed is and as, as surprisingly good as Wright has been. Um, I, yeah, man. I, I think it's one of those where you're not worried and you just kind of have to close your eyes and hope that he gets it figured out because uh, he quite obviously was going to play a large role in this team's success. And if, if he is not going to have a good year, um, the, that, that, causes issues to be sure.
1: Yeah. And the last time Charlie Morton was bad as a major league starter was 2010. Like he said, so he's had a couple of years where he wasn't quite as good, but the last time he was anything like this was 12 years ago. Uh, and he was young, he was a young guy then in Pittsburgh after he left Atlanta the first time. And like, I, I don't, I don't want to make too much of it, but also we have to talk about it because he is, uh, what is he? 38. He'll be 39 soon. Yeah. He's 38 now. Um, it might just be the end of the road. That's that's the concern. And uh, certainly I don't blame anyone for worrying more than you and I are at this point in time. I do understand that viewpoint because if you look at the numbers again, they're not pretty across the board. Like you, you, have, you have a hard time finding a lot of encouragement in the numbers right now. So we will see. But uh, that is a concern because as much as Kyle Wright has been incredible this year, he's not going to be this good. I don't. I think that's probably safe to say. His ERA is again one point one something. That's not sustainable. So uh, they're going to need some help from somebody else, whether it's Anderson, whether it's Morton. Hopefully both. If you're a Braves fan, um, but they need more from him, from Morton because they don't have a lot of depth behind them as we've seen throughout the season to this point. Uh, while we're on this topic, let's just talk about the Mueller Elder uh, swap. All that stuff. Um, I, I mentioned the numbers overall are pretty ugly, even when you include Wright and Freed. Uh, you gave me the stat earlier, so I'll credit it to you. Uh, they're one in six in games started by Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, and, and Wascarinoa, Uh, And that's not a fluke. Those guys have, were actually bad. It's not like they just lost the games because the bullpen was bad. In those games, they were they were all bad. Um, there was this argument going on today. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw it. I was in the airport, so I was just looking at Twitter constantly. Um, but the Bryce Elder versus Kyle Muller debate kind of raged today. And uh, the key point that I at least saw made and I also made was like, one of those guys has good stuff and it's not Bryce elder. (laughs) My apologies to Bryce elder. Who's uh, who's very young still, but uh, he has not been able to to command anything. And that's just not going to work for him with his current stuff. Whereas Mueller uh, at least has big time stuff, but uh, you talked about it. So I'm going to defer to you. Like they've, Done the six-man rotation. I kind of get why they did it today. Um, There's the whole Strider conversation to be had as well because he's looked very, very good outside of one very bad blow-up outing. He's been kind of dominant. He was awesome over the weekend. What do you want to see moving forward? Like They had this spot later on this week where it's like either going to have to be Strider or they have to go back to one of these other guys. Do you want to see Strider in that spot? uh,
2: It is Spencer Strider time for me. I think – Um, I love the way that they brought him out of the bullpen to begin the season. He was somebody who was on that roster bubble, and he has quite clearly shown that when he is especially throwing strikes, um, his stuff is just so good. And I think one of the, not frustrations, but the way that Spencer Strider is being used right now, most of the time when he's coming into games, the team is losing. Yeah, And I, I don't love that. For him, because he, as you noted, other than that one kind of blow up game where he just did not have any command, um, you know, he's been dominant. I mean, he strikes out what 50% of the batters that he's seen so far. It's not quite that good, but it's probably decently close. Um, I think it's time to let him start. He's just the way he throws, he's probably not a guy who's going to work six or seven innings, although. Uh, Bryce Elder is not a guy who's going to work deep into games just with the stuff he has. He just doesn't have enough secondary and, uh, secondary pitches to get big league hitters out, let alone once, but two or three times, um, uh, maybe they give Wascari Noah another shot here uh, down the road. Um, I, I do think Kyle Muller needs more time in the minors. I just don't think he throws strikes enough to, to be successful, um, yeah, give me give me Spencer Strider on Friday night. I think that's against uh, the Brewers, maybe. Um, even if you know that he isn't going to be able to go deep into a game, I would rather hand him the ball with the score tied. and in theory, pitching when the Braves are he- are ahead than giving him the ball and I don't want to call it mop up duty, but having him pitch when it's six to one is just not an ideal way to use him and his talents. I know you need guys to cover multiple innings in the bullpen, but man, um, the way he throws, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the way he throws, I would much rather give him the ball in the first inning uh, than in like the sixth or the seventh when the, the outcome is maybe already decided.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of been where I've been the whole time. Not that I, you know, was yelling and screaming for a striker start at the beginning of the season, but you know, I, I'm all, I'm always kind of of the mind of let, let guys start that can start. And if they think he can start, he should be starting. He's got the best arm by far. He has the highest upside by far of all these guys. And uh, he was already up at the big leagues. And I, I get that maybe they think because he can throw the way he throws, his stuff is playing up to where he's useful in the bullpen. But like you mentioned, He's really only being used in these weird, you know, long relief situations. And that's not the worst thing, but you don't want to use him like, like Josh Tomlin. And that's kind of how he's been used so far year, for the most part. Um, and they're obviously very different pitchers, clearly. But uh, I would like to see them try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, uh, you know, Strider versus Elder, Muller, Enoa, you know, uh, I know where I want to be out of out of those four guys. And, you know, as they chopped out the rotation down to five guys, that's the one spot because of the way that Wright is throwing, he's obviously going to be there for a while. Hopefully. Um, Yeah. I would, I like, like it to be Strider. I think he's got the best combination of everything going between upside, even projection right now, et cetera, future facing. Yeah. It's time. I think, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, based on the move they did today, they could, they could still change stuff. I want to be uh, very careful to say that he's going to start Friday. Because we don't know that to be sure, um, but at the moment, he's the only guy on the roster that's a logical starter for Friday. Now they can obviously yeah. call somebody back up, but uh, you know, if it's me, I just say tomorrow he's starting on Friday. If it's yeah. me, but we'll see.
2: See what he can do and see how they do have the off day on Thursday, but see how the four games in New York go um, and how much he's needed. Um, hopefully they can avoid. He might make an appearance and just kind of make it a de facto bullpen appearance for the week for him. Um, we'll see how they use him. But um, if you're looking for a, a positive or a way to look at this, that's not as doom and gloom. The Braves are 10 and 13, and as we noted, they are one and six in games where Enoa Muller, or Elder have started. So that means they're nine and seven in games where those guys aren't starting. And quite obviously, teams, everybody has a fifth starter. Very few teams uh, are happy with the production their fifth starter gives them. I would have probably count on one hand the number of good five starters across baseball. Um, but if, if you're looking for a positive or a, a way to kind of look at that, ro- that record through the first month, um, nine and seven on days where those three don't start and one and six whenever they do. Um, hopefully that, that changes, whether it's Strider, maybe they give Tukey Toussaint a shot, um, there's there's some options. It's just a matter of someone needs to step up and claim that rotation because quite clearly the, the path they're going on early on is just not working.
1: That's well said, and we'll see what the plan is. Uh, and I will be interested, interested to see how Snit handles this series coming up because the doubleheader and you know, four games in three days and obviously a high-profile matchup in New York with no off day before it. So uh, we'll see how that all goes, but uh, I'll be lining up Schrader as well. Um, Quickly, we'll kind of fly for the weekend. Uh, Some positives that I want to make sure we uh, highlight here. The William Contreras explosion on Friday. He had two home runs. They were both uh, mashed. Um, That's good to see. Obviously, he's up right now as the second catcher um Pina being injured etc um you know we've kind of all liked his bat for a long time but him playing is not a bad thing and it's a reminder of the potential upside of Petraris's bat it's obviously just one game but that's been the thing that everybody loves about him for a long time Is just his bat could be I want to I emphasize could be very good one day and uh obviously we've seen signs of that
2: yeah I, every ball he hits hits hard like his his hard hit rating is really high um his home run rate is really high as well. He clearly has, and he's a young player, like all young players. He has some learning to do at the major league level, but um, yeah, it's hard not to be impressed. It seems like every time he gets into a game, um, he, uh, he makes an impact one way or the other. And I think there's uh, some real upside with him. I, I think we still like the Manny Pena signing just because he's a, yeah. a solid veteran. You're going to need no team makes it through a full season with only two catchers. And if you do Thank you, Lucky Stars, because it's not going to happen again the following season, more than likely. Um, It's just uh, it's good opportunity for William to learn a little bit at the big league level. And um, he's going to be in the mix, as we've talked about.
1: Yeah, it's like he's he has like 200 plate appearances now in the majors. And the numbers are not like ridiculously good. He's like he's been basically league average, but his ISO is like 200 plus. Like the power has played, like he strikes out a lot. Still, he you can definitely see that he's a little bit raw at times at the major league level. But when he connects, to your point, he makes great contact uh, and hits the ball uh, hard and a long way. So we'll see. But as far as uh, number three catchers are concerned, he's a luxury that the Braves do have. He's one of the one of the nice depth pieces on this roster because a lot of teams as we've said forever on this podcast, their their second catcher is bad enough. You go to their third catcher and it's just an absolute death march. And with the Braves, Contreras is probably a better hitter than a lot of teams starting catchers in baseball right now, if you factor all that in. Obviously, his defense is not quite that level necessarily, but uh, him being your third catcher is a pretty good spot to be in. So there's that. Um,
2: if he continues to hit, just looking at this lineup, and I don't know how and and how honest they were being when they talked about William being in the mix potentially as like a corner outfielder but if he continues to hit is it impossible to say that maybe he gets a chance to be an outfielder for this team for a little bit well that's why
1: it was so frustrating when he was up before and he he never played it's like well why are you carrying him as a third catcher if he's not going to play when um, when you're trying out RCA at DH and you're trying out RC in the outfield, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on RCA right now, but like as an example of just like how dire it was and to not play him, yeah, I mean, I, I think if if they felt that he could play an acceptable corner outfield, it wouldn't be a bad thing to try him. Now, obviously, right now with Pina out, they probably want to be a little bit more careful with him. Oh, for sure. For um, sure. But when Pina comes back, certainly if it's still as dire as it's been in the corner outfield spots, then yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, is he going to be better defensively than, than Ozuna? I don't really know the answer to that. Um, But that's a question to ask eventually if he's still hitting when Pena comes back. Um, who do you hate less <laughs> in a quarter spot between <laughs> Ozuna yeah. and Contreras? But uh yeah, he's not. I mean, he's an option. If nothing else, I think you you trust his bat at least a decent amount. He's a better hitter than Arcia, I would imagine. He's probably a better hitter than... Heredia in most situations so like if you want to talk him out there and give it a chance um, him versus Demerit's interesting if Demerit were to cool off as he probably will at some point. We'll see but yeah it's not the worst thing in the world to think about because they've already been talking about it out loud. And if he's hitting he's hitting I, w- I do want him to play long term. Um, that was one of the things we, that we talked about when he went down to Gwinnett was that he does need to play he's still a young guy. He needs to catch. He needs to play because they still believe he's a catcher long-term, and that, that is worth noting, but uh, his bat is interesting, so we'll see. Yeah,
2: and his long-term value is obviously tied to catching, right? Like Mostly, I mean, I, for sure. Yeah, I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm saying he needs to transition to the outfield or anything like <laughs> no, that. No, it but...
1: only matters because of how bad it's been elsewhere. Like, if, if they had yeah, their normal yeah. outfield, we do not have this conversation. I think I, I feel pretty good about that. If, they yeah. have, if Eddie Rosario is Eddie Rosario um, so far, we don't talk about that probably, but he's, uh, he was bad and now he's hurt. So that's another option. And uh, it's kind of dire, but it's something to talk about. Um, one more positive thing, Scott, and that's Austin Riley. Uh, Riley has been the one guy throughout the year that is kind of raked. Obviously Matt Olson started out great. He's cooled off, but Riley has been really good all season long. Um, he is slugging 571, six home runs. Um, his play discipline stuff has been good this year, like better than it's been in his career so far. Um, if nothing else, uh, any concern about him just falling off a cliff again after last year seems to be gone at this point. Not that we have predicted that even even I, a known Riley skeptic, still said he was going to be good this year. I wasn't sure how how good he was going to be, but I wasn't too worried. Now I'm even less worried. He looks fantastic. So that, that's nice
2: and I don't know if you've heard this Brad but he's a new father if if the broadcast hasn't mentioned that like 9000 <laughs> times this week um anyway no oh, y- you're uh you're right the dad power um the dad take, power take a shot every time um no austin has been truly like him and in, in Aussie albies have been the most consistent i think in the lineup looking i mean matt olson didn't make an out the first 2 weeks of the year and then he doesn't have a hit the next week and a half. Yeah. So it's- Matt,
1: Matt Olson uh, is six of his last 44 with four yeah. walks. Uh, and just to say this out loud, I know you probably know this if you listening to this podcast, but if you don't, know, if you're a new listener, uh, I am not at all worried about Matt Olson I want to say no. that one more time. No, no, Not at all worried about Matt Olson. Matt Olson is really good. Uh, he's been bad for the last week and a half. That's okay. It's going to happen sometimes. He's good. Yeah,
2: He is Marcelo Zuna got off to a nice start. He's, he did not have a good week. Um, it just goes to the fact that this team just can't seemingly get everybody pulling in the same direction. Um, even Dansby Swanson quietly had, maybe not even quietly, maybe loudly he's had dark. a pretty nice week. Yeah, you know his WRC plus is up to eighty eight, which is not horrible. Um, he's still striking out, though it's not quite as bad. Um, Travis Darno, when he's out there, granted he's not an every single day guy, but Darnot is hitting pretty well. Um, but again, it just seems like you have only two or three guys hitting at any given point. And then just when somebody else starts to get going, one of those guys who was hitting the week before cools down and suddenly can't hit the ball. Um, it, it's been a shades of there was a lot of talk today about this, just shades of last year's team where. It would seem like they're getting good pitching, but they're not scoring. And then they were scoring, but then the pitching wouldn't follow through. And then they would be getting good pitching and good hitting, but the defense would be terrible and the bullpen wouldn't blow. And it, it's just <laughs> kind of shades of last year. Um, and Hey man, they, they won a world series at the end of it and it all worked out. But I, I just don't think you want to be that team that spends the first couple of months of the season saying it's early, it's early, it's early. And then all of a sudden you look up in your 10 games out in the division standings and, You're you're having to scramble.
1: Yeah, that's well said. Um, The offense has just kind of been average, which this team cannot afford. They need to be good on offense, like capital G good on offense to be what they want to be. Um, It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean they have to be number one in the league on offense, but they can't be league. I think we can all agree if this is a league average offense, they're not going to be repeating as World Series champions. They They need to be good on offense. And they've been okay. They haven't been disastrous on offense. But um, whether it's not having Ronnie, Ronnie having a slow start, Rosario being bad, Dansby, weird start, strong recently, Olsen, all that stuff, aside from, like you said, Riley and Albies um, and maybe a little bit of Darno and Azuna, it's not been fantastic. And really, if you look at it, sort of uh, broadly speaking, go through the three um, sort of areas of the team, the offense has been below average to, to what they want to be this year. The rotation has been below average what they want to be this year. And the only thing that's been kind of, as, kind of as expected is the bullpen. Like it hasn't been like number one in baseball, but they're like top seven or eight in baseball in ERA. Like they've been good. I mean, it's not been incredible, like completely lights out, but all things considered, the bullpen's been not a problem at all. It's been pretty good. And uh, everything else, not so much. So, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to kind of talk about this versus last season. And I, I don't want to go up to that crutch too often, but I think out of most people in the world, we probably pointed out uh, more than most how – uninspiring last year's team was until August. We kind of – and you can't ignore that altogether. Like, it didn't matter in the end, and we always say that as well. Uh, At the end of the day, they got hot at the right time, they won the World Series, and you can't take that away. But they do have to kind of figure out what they are, because through 23 games, they're 10-13. and And uh, I think it was Steven that pulled this. I saw it. Um, ESPN's Power Index had the Braves with the easiest schedule in baseball so far. And to be 10-13 and against that schedule – is not what you want at this point in time uh it's obviously quite early still but this is one more one more funny stat for me before i give it back to you uh you know it feels feels like a lifetime ago but they split the series with the reds at the beginning of the year It's a four four game series against against the reds um since that moment the reds uh who are two and two against the braves are one and 17 against the rest of baseball so i don't know if that's just the reds being uh Better against the Braves than anything else, but uh, that was kind of a roller coaster ride. So, good example of the this schedule's not been great for the Braves so far, and they've not no. and they've not capitalized. It's going to get harder, I think. At the same time, I feel like they're going to get better because they certainly should be playing better than this. But uh, I guess before we look at the week at the week, week ahead, do you? Uh, Nothing we're going to do panic mirror in every podcast, but we're getting now that we're into May, it's a good sort of round number time, like twenty three games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you feel differently? Because last week on the show. With Eric, I basically said, "Look, I feel the same as I felt preseason. I kind of still do, but a little bit trending toward negativity." Um, where are you at with the yeah. uh, evaluation of the team so far?
2: To be clear, this team is not playing well. No, nope. like you you noted the the red series, you know, two and two against a team that <laughs> one has, and seventeen is yeah. one in seventeen. Mathematically, that's tough to do in a game like baseball. Um, the Nationals are not very good. They lost that series. Uh, losing to the Texas Rangers who are not playing well. Uh, I mean, the Rangers pitching staff is a joke, and the Braves just could not score. And and that just speaks volumes to how badly this lineup is struggling. Um, We'll see. I mean, Brian Snitker is the king of just slow and steady and consistent. Um, Maybe he changes some things up. I know there was some chat today about maybe he should – move the lineup around a little bit, maybe move like Ozzy up to two, or even like Travis Darno, who's hitting and getting on base, maybe moving him up to like second. Um, I I don't know. At this point, you don't want to panic uh, to answer your original question and point. Uh, This time a week ago, my concern out of 10 was like a two. Now I'm at like a three. And I hope that this doesn't keep going. And then next week, I'm at a four and then a five and then a six. I'm hoping that they start to figure it out maybe a, a high-profile, high-energy series with the Mets will do some good, kind of give everybody a kick in the pants a little bit. Um, again, it's it's still early. They have 139 games to go, but as, as we've talked about, you again, you don't want to be the team at the All-Star break, and you look up at the standings, and you're a dozen games back, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, um, but you can't just bank on the division being bad as the way that you make the postseason, which was quite literally – Again, as a reminder, if the Braves were in any other division last year, they don't make the playoffs at all. They wouldn't have won any other division. They wouldn't have been a wild card team in either league. Um, So again, hey, you get into the dance and see what happens, but you have to get to the dance and you don't want to wait too long to get things going. Uh, The the 2019 team, if you're looking for a, a upside or yeah, it's still early. The 2019 team started 18 and 20, which is not great. 18 and 20. They won 97 games. So is it too early to panic? Yes, there's so much baseball to be played. Uh, but let's hope over the next couple of weeks, as the level of intensity goes up a bit, uh, they start to figure some things out. They're not going to have this six-man rotation, which, as we noted, we understand why they went to this. But as they are one in six in those games, that's just not great. Um, hopefully, that they, they figure out a few things and get back to being the team we thought they were going to be.
1: Yeah, and that's a good time to look ahead to this week coming up. Obviously, we've referenced it a few times, but they have this four-game series in New York against the Mets. It starts on Monday. There's a Tuesday double de- doubleheader, and then they play the getaway day game uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Um, on a positive note, the Braves will miss Max Scherzer, who pitched tonight um, for the Mets, so he cannot pitch in the series. That- that's a positive because the Braves, if they-, if they want to, can use all four of their best pitchers on normal rest in this series. Uh, they have not announced that just yet, to my knowledge. In fact, I'm looking at the page right now. They have not said who's going to start on Tuesday, but they can go. Yeah. They, Morton, right? They
2: confirmed. Ericsson. Yeah, exactly. They confirmed those four going to start. Freed on Monday, Anderson on
1: Wednesday. We'll see the order announced. on Tuesday is basically yeah, what it comes yeah. down to. But uh, they use their, their top four guys, and the Mets don't have their best guy. So that's, uh, and obviously, DeGrom is hurt. So um, that's that's a slight advantage to the Braves, obviously. Um, the Mets are, are playing great, though. They're 15 and seven. Um, the danger. Uh, And again, we're not going to panic too much in early May, but if you go lose three out of four to the Mets uh, and you're suddenly down seven games to the Mets in May, that does matter on some level. And now the Mets are the Mets. We've poked fun of them forever, but um, they're playing quite well. And there's, there's a lot of talent on the roster. So you can't take them too lightly, even as uh, even amid amid the jokes that we're always going to tell about the Mets, they are pretty talented and they're playing well. So a big series as big as it can be in early May, uh, which is still not that that, that big, I guess, overall, but um, an important one. And then, a travel day, the, the Brewers back at home, and then uh, the schedule in May, as you sort of lay out here, I'll, I'll let you talk about it. is is a lot more difficult on paper than April was. Again, it's it's still baseball, so um, I don't want to make too much of that. It's not like you're playing the NFL schedule and you kind of know what's going on, but uh, it is more difficult on paper in may than april because you're playing the mets and you're playing the uh you know a couple of teams there and you know, the red Sox are on the schedule et cetera so uh we'll see but uh, i'll keeping you a close eye on this uh you know basketball season is now ramping down for me which makes it a little bit easier for me to watch baseball every day but um the intensity level as someone who's not looking at the standings very much until memorial day uh it's may now May's, May's different than april i guess yeah
2: yeah i think we'll know I- I think a lot of folks realize that that Memorial Day is exactly when I think you can start to count on things that are for real and maybe aren't for real. And um, not that whatever happens on May 30th is going to be locked in for the rest of the season. But I think we're going to learn some things about this team over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ronald Acuna is going to get into a groove. I, I don't think Matt Olson is going to hit like 050 the rest of the way. Uh, no. They're going to figure it out as we laid out. I'm not concerned yet about Charlie Morton. I'll take the over on him figuring out then not figuring things out. Um, but as you laid out, you have four games on the road against the Mets. Then you come back home. You see the Brewers, Red Sox, and Padres, who are all three good teams. Then you go on the road to play the Brewers again and the Marlins, who are an improved young team. A lot of good energy, a lot of good mojo around Miami right now. And then you have four more with the Phillies and the Marlins. So I'm not sure there's a single uh, break in the schedule with that group of teams. It's going to be a tough month. And as, as we've said, hopefully this team, it's still early. Don't want to keep falling back on that. It is still early. Uh, Let's hope they start to figure some things out and get out of their own way because so much of what they've done early on is just self-inflicted, just silly stuff, bad defense. Um, just some bad luck as well. Like they're still hitting the ball really well and just don't have a ton of results to show for it. Let's hope things get going here soon and get back to being the team we thought they would be.
1: Okay. So that is the going to be the end of our, of our actual functional baseball discussion. I have to ask you one question though, at the end of this podcast, Scott, Uh, something happened today on Sunday that I can't remember seeing. And I know it's probably happened and I just don't remember, but do you remember the last time you saw a pitching coach ejected? From, from, a, from, from a game because that, that happened on Sunday afternoon Rick, Rick, Kranitz, Kranitz,
2: Rick Kranitz was fired up
1: I, <laughs> he was I very very animated today. because the whole coaching
2: yeah the whole coaching staff other than the legend himself Ron Washington and happy late birthday to Wash who just turned 70 shouts to Wash it is such like a calm and quiet coaching staff um and Rick Cranitz went nuts. He he was not happy. <laughs>
1: he, he was really. just to put some color on it, I was watching uh, this. I was watching today's game on the road. I was going to the airport, in the airport, all that stuff. And I've kind of I watched most of it, but it was like not the greatest sound situation. So I wasn't listening to the whole broadcast. And I kind of looked over at my laptop. And I was watching, and I'm like, "That's Rick." Cran- I, I saw someone get ejected. And I was like, it's got to be Snit. Like, there's no way they're throwing Rick. Cran- no, nope, that was Rick. And and I, I rewound I it, and I was like, oh, he earned it too. Like, he kind of went, he kind of went nuts. It was it was just kind of a funny uh, thing you don't necessarily see. And I'm I'm joking, but I don't remember the last. I'm sure Leo did it at some point. I don't remember it, but I just like that's something you don't see every day in baseball across the board. Is just a pitching coach getting ejected. That was it was it was like he was like the interim manager either. Sicker was still involved in the game at that point in time. It was like, yeah. oh, bye, Rick. See ya. I
2: I didn't know if he was like trying to get kyle muller like fired up to try to save the bullpen or or what i mean if maybe this team does need snit to get thrown out or something like that just to kind of wake them up i mean it feels like they're sleepwalking right now and uh, i know that the old world series hangover is it real is it not it it feels like there's a hangover with this team um maybe, maybe kranitz was just having a bad day but yeah he went nuts i was like oh man that's that's uh unlike this coaching staff
1: yeah, I had to say that over the end because it was uh, there's no real takeaway from it in my mind, but I, I did kind of enjoy seeing that. And I was just wondering if I could remember a time that actually happened before and I, I couldn't think of anything else that was comparable. So uh, the impact, not huge, but Rick Granitz, uh, shouts to you. I, I did see someone make a, a joke about Rick Granitz making his large con- tr- contribution to the Braves so far by getting ejected, which that was mean-spirited. But I I, thought, I, I, had, a good, I had a good laugh about it. Um, well, Scott, that's it for me. Uh, I know you are still in recovery. I, I don't um, feel my absolute best right now. So we're going to sign off after 50 plus minutes of podcasting, but give it anything, anything to plug, feel, please feel free. I know uh, there's always baseball happening and I should have done this earlier, but we have lots of things to plug when it comes to the website and the podcast network, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Lots of good stuff is always happening. Batterypower.com, minor leagues, major leagues, um, I'm watching the Mets in the Phillies. Old friend, Johan Camargo just hit one of his majestic two run uh, homers. Oh God. Yes. Uh, Go for Johan Camargo. Who's been hitting uh, pretty decently. Um, no, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Here's hoping this is the worst of the season. And, and this team's about to turn some gears and get things going. Uh, it's been a frustrating first month, but again, it's only been a month. It's May 1st or maybe May 2nd. When you're listening to this, uh, this, this is still a really good roster. They just, just have some guys struggling right now let's hope that they're able to figure some things out but uh welcome back brad i know you were out of town quite a bit hopefully you're able to settle in no more no more hawks coverage for you uh so you get to sleep a little bit more you are a man (laughs) who never sleeps uh but maybe you get a a little more sleep now which is never a bad thing and um always good to do one of these with you
1: yeah maybe a little uh the season actually never ends but there are no games for a while um immediately we transition into uh Trade watch and all kinds of people asking me questions about trades. And uh, I know you're a diehard Hawks fan through and through, so you're jacked up about the offseason as well. So I'm uh, looking forward to all of that stuff. But uh, yes, I, a little bit, hopefully, a little bit easier for me. And uh, it was actually kind of well timed that I had to go to a wedding this weekend and the Hawks were limited. So it made my life a little bit easier over the weekend. But uh, a good time to remind everybody to please subscribe to this podcast network. And it's not only this show, if you found this for the first time, welcome aboard. But we do have three different podcasts in one on the network. There's this show, the flagship battery power podcast, which is uh, usually a combination of myself, Scott, and Eric Cole. Then we have the Minor League Show hosted by Eric and friends, called Road to Atlanta. That is fantastic stuff. I always learn from that podcast. And Then the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman. Sean is a hero. He's been doing the uh, the podcast like five times a week and really giving you that bite sized look um, after games, the latest news, etc. And that's a great sort of uh, you know everyday staple to wake up to in the morning. So shout out to Sean for doing that for us. But uh, you get all that for the price of zero dollars, please subscribe and leave a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast tell your friends as well as reading the written side chris willis our captain over there at batterypower.com thank you for listening everybody and uh, we'll see you i'm sure in the very new future probably at the very latest on this on this particular flagship show next week and uh once one more time thank you for listening we'll see you next time